Back here at the Combine, we're at uh, Pseudo Radio Row. We're over here by the CBS Sports Network uh, site. And uh, joining us now is Rick Spielman, the former executive and general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. Now you see him on CBS Sports. Rick, thanks so much for the time. How are you? No, thanks for having me on. So it's been a different experience for me being on this side of the Combine for the first time. As a lot of people describe the dark side, but (laughs) I look at it as a bright side. I'm having a great time and really enjoying uh, enjoying the side of the business. I mean, what are you appreciating about the the job that you're in now that maybe you didn't before as you were the the GM on the other side of the fence? I always loved the job as a GM. Yeah. But on this side, it gives you a different perspective. So as we're interviewing kids Uh or uh, given your perspective on things that are going on, I can hopefully translate what I'm hearing GMs are saying on Mm -hmm. the podium, what that actually means, because I probably (laughs) said the same thing a couple of times, and interviewing the players and then... I always kind of put the spin that, okay, I'm interviewing you like you're in a formal interview at night. So right. I'm going to ask you some tough questions. I'm going to do it on a camera, you know, and then uh, go ahead and proceed with uh, some of the questions. So so there is a playbook to this, to, to be able to talk and say a lot without really saying anything substantial. Yeah, no. I, I, now I want them to say something substantial. <laughs> Before I can understand. Now I'm on this side, right. the light side. <laughs> so when you hear Chris Ballard say, maybe I don't necessarily need to go from four to one to get a difference maker, That's that seems to be the narrative. That's, that's what everybody thinks the Colts have to do. But he's saying, maybe I can be patient and still get the guy that I like. What, what, what do you take from those remarks? I, I think – um, Chris, who I have the utmost respect sure. for, and I think is one of the top evaluators uh, in the NFL, and uh, served some time on some committees with him, and so I have nothing but uh, the respect for the job he has done for the Indianapolis Colts. But as I'm sitting there and listening to it, I think everybody's in that same process right now on we haven't even seen all these guys throw yet. We're just getting the medicals on them. So they may love three or four of the, all four of these quarterbacks. Who knows yet? They probably have a pecking order pre-combine. But once they get all the information, once they go out and bring the kids into their facility, once they go out to the pro days and do everything, then there'll be a more specific guy that they may target. Um, The most interesting thing for me to watch this draft is that you've got a division rival, right? Two, one, two picks ahead of you, and if you're honed in on a guy, are you going to stay patient because Arizona doesn't need a quarterback, and hopefully that guy falls to you, or maybe you love two guys, so let Houston take who they want, and we love the guy equally, or you also better be concerned about you got Carolina down there, and they're all they're in a very similar situation to the Colts is that they have to find a franchise guy, a young quarterback uh, that's going to lead them into the future. Everybody's trying to create a market. It's I don't pay attention to any of it right now uh, because most of that decision-making process will be done right before the draft. Right. How do you keep all of that together? I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you're just I don't know what the right word is, preoccupied or, or paranoid with the, the threat of someone moving up in front of you. I mean, that, that's always a threat. So how, how do you keep everything clear well, you, and, and make sure you're doing yeah, the right job? Yeah, you have to weigh it's – it's, the draft is a little bit of a risk-reward, you know. Um, I've sat there, and I remember my first draft uh, was Adrian Peterson. We were talking about do we go up and get him or do we sit? 
and we ended up sitting there, and we were fortunate that he fell to us. We thought he might have went to Arizona, and then the Redskins didn't need a quarterback, so uh, we knew if maybe he got to the commanders, the Redskins at the time, um, that if we got past there, then we would get our guy. We were worried about the Arizona Cardinals, and they end up taking a tackle. So that was nerve-wracking to sit there for 10 minutes to hear – Hopefully hear Adrian Peterson's name <laughs> not mentioned till you're on a clock. Now, now with that, I mean, who, who I know that the way the draft board is, everybody says, you know, the draft falls how it does, and you've got your list. Take us back to that pick. I mean, Adrian Peterson doesn't go. If, let's see, he goes to Arizona. What happens then? Is it, I mean, complete scramble mode, or no, do you guys have the no, plan in you, place? No, you, you have a plan in okay. place. So I always started with the worst possible scenario okay. that can happen. And what do we do? Okay. All these players are gone. Every one of these guys that we covet are gone, and we can't trade out. Are you, we have to make a pick. So let's go through gotcha. our process so when it comes on draft day and you're on the clock, we'll know exactly what. We're not going to have any discussions on draft day. Yeah. That's what you got all this time. So when we're on draft day, everybody's quiet. I may ask a question or two, but we already know the game plan going in, and you may have to adjust, and, and then you just go. I want to talk about the time it is, the timing of all of this. The combine is right now. You're early in March, and the draft's coming up just the end of next month. So in the grand scheme of things, very short amount of time for the Colts. You just hired a new head coach. You got a new staff in there. So essentially, you've got a month and a half to make a decision where you're sitting at four if you take the quarterback that could impact this franchise for 10 years. What are those month and what's that month and a half like? I mean, I'm sure well, it's little sleep, but it's I mean, there's so much you have to get right in that time frame. Yeah, but there when you have a new head coach come in, um, you're working. He's trying to put a staff together and trying to finalize his staff. You're trying to get them caught up on the personnel that you have on your football team. What guys fit and don't fit in the schematic approach we're going to take with this. We got free agency coming up here in a couple weeks. We got to get prepared for that. Who are we going to sign? Who are we going to extend of our own players? Uh, who are we going to let go? And if we do let them go, how are we going to replace them? Are we going to place them in a free agent market? Or is the draft deep enough in that position and enough depth that let's just wait? We'll finish and, and, and do it uh, and fill that need in the draft. But it doesn't end there. Uh, you saw what Howie and I, Roseman did a phenomenal job last year made the A.J. Brown trade on draft day, which was unique. I've never seen that before on a player of that caliber getting traded on draft day because of all the other things that have to go into. Does he pass a physical? Are you giving away a first-round pick? Can you get a contract extension done with him? And then how he continued to build that roster. He went and made the trade for uh, Gardner uh, Johnson, you know, and then he made a trade for Quinn, although he didn't have a big impact from the Bears. So. It never ends. You think, okay, after the draft, this team is set. It doesn't. It continues. It's a 24-7 process, 12 months a year, and you're always trying to improve and get your roster better. Rick, I love talking to you because you've literally sat in these chairs and made these decisions. Is is there a quarterback in this draft class that you're really intrigued by that, that might be worthy of, of that bold of a move if well, you're the Colts? Well, it's, you know, and I'm going to be uh, – I would say my favorite quarterback in this draft class, and I know every of them have some holes, is Bryce Young. And I've had an opportunity to see him play live twice. I understand the size concern, but watching him, and I was on the sideline, and watching him and his savvy, his just knack for playing the position is unique. Now, if he was 6'2", 210, he would be a slam dunk 
franchise generational type quarterback, if you want to put that in quotes. But he's not because he's – and I, we just had him on the set again. And he says, I'm not going to get any bigger, but I know I can play ball. And when you see some of the throws he makes, that you shouldn't be able to do that, especially at your size. And the one throw that really stuck out to me, I was down at the Sugar Bowl, and the throw he threw for a touchdown in the corner of the end zone – for a guy that may be under six foot, I don't know how he sees down there, but he's such an anticipatory thrower and he just has such a natural feel for the position um, that I think he's the one, besides the size, uh, is, is the uh, most polished quarterback coming out in this draft. One of the guys has been very highly talked about, Anthony Richardson. He's got all the upside in the world. But, but talk about the way the NFL is. It's not a patient league. You know that oh. very well. It's one of those things They that... were patient with me for 16 years and finally got up. <laughs> yeah. Everybody eventually gets right. fired. <laughs> right. I mean, that's exactly right. But with it being such a you, you need to perform now, when you look at a guy with all this upside, but he definitely needs to, you know, there's a handful of things he needs to grow on how do you weigh that balance if you are going to select a guy that high he has probably the most physical unique traits out of anyone in this draft class with his size with his athleticism with his arm talent but that's what you're trying to get the answers to the test or the burning bush question what's the answer Mm -hmm. by going through all these interviews by doing all these intelligence tests all these psychological tests all the analytics thing that come into play and the one question that I've always asked and, you know, asked some of the head coaches that I've interviewed is that his biggest issue right now to me is a little bit the decision-making, but the accuracy. He can make some throw that just like your jaw drops because it was such a fantastic right, throw. Right. Then it'll be one like when you're watching uh, Major League, just a bit outside. <laughs> so Fly ball, caught. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bob Euchre, my all-time favorite sports He's announcer. Right there, brother. That was a Bob Euchre reference. Hey, 100%. Case. Yes. <laughs> With taking it a step further, what, what other draft needs do you, do you peg for the Colts? Let, let's just say they do go quarterback. Yeah. What, what else can they do in this draft to help? Well, I think what they have to do first is because you have a whole new scout or coaching staff coming in so what you thought your draft needs were and your your roster needs were before you hired that head coach may be something different because of the scheme they're going to run and all of a sudden that's the hardest thing sitting in that general manager's chair well we're going to run this on defense so I need guys that look like this these are all the physical traits these are the things we're looking for well this guy, this guy, and this guy on your roster don't fit. We can try to piece it together, but we're not going to be able to put it all together in one year. We're going to have to continue to build. But I think the Colts have a very talented roster. I think Chris has done a tremendous job putting that roster together. It's just can they get the quarterback resolved? Because once you get that resolved, everything else kind of falls in place. Final thing for me, being inside those rooms kind of – trying to eliminate that outside noise the combine and from here on out it's just nothing but talk it's all you hear is talk, talk i'm this finding guy, that out guy, i'm exhausted <laughs> at the end of the right. day <laughs> when you were sitting inside there how much of that do you hear do you actually listen to i want to know that narrative like because we see guys are moving up draft boards i'm sure that's happening but it's not nearly happening no because that's already happened yeah and no one's going to tell you what their draft board looks like right so the thing that you have to be concerned about is that there will be a lot of smoke coming out. But this smoke is not always fire. And there are some things that will come out, and maybe I don't say teams do this, but a general manager or something may leak out of that building about 
hey, this player yeah. has something wrong with him. And then all of a sudden it gets to some media and then it's another media storm and things yeah. like that. So I don't put into this time of year everything that's being said or this or that or mm -hmm. even up. But I know you're going to rely on the people in that building. You're going to rely on your scouts. You're going to rely on your director. You're going to rely on your coaches. And we're going to do what's best for our football team. And regardless of everything that's being said, I know we put all our resources into making sure we have mm -hmm. the correct evaluation, not only on the field, character, everything else, um, that we're going to trust that we are good at our job and what we do. We're going to develop our board. And regardless of the outside noise, we're going to stick to our plan, have plan B and C in case A isn't in place, and then let's go. When you had the guys in for 15-minute interviews as, a, as an, ex, an executive or a general manager, wh what did you try to cram into that short amount of time? And were you trying to trick guys and dupe guys nah, to see how they handled I, I wasn't into adversity? All that. I think what we tried to do was for that 15 minutes, that was just the first part of it. Yeah. Because you're going to revisit them, whether you bring them in on a visit before the draft, you go down and have a private dinner with them after their pro day you're going to make sure you spend a lot of time to get all the, and you can't get that in 15 minutes. But what we really try to focus on in that 15 minutes is what area do we need to address? So if it was something learned, okay, I would tell the coach, this player's coming in, coaches would prepare film that would we would show the kid and we'd want to know, can he learn and not learn our system? Yeah. So there was a whole system in place for that. Another kid may be, well, he has this off-field concern or this character. So we'll get back to the football and everything like that. For for first 15 minutes, let's just focus on this part mm -hmm. of the interview. And then you just build off of that. But you almost had to come up with a individualized interview process for each prospect that was coming in. So you're not just sitting there and wasting time for 15 minutes. Right. You really want to kind of hone in on what do we need to get out of this interview for the first 15 minutes with this player. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff. That's former NFL executive and general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, Rick Spielman. Now he's on the dark side on CBS. Light side. Yeah, yeah. And, the li and the light it's side. It's got a lot brighter since <laughs> I came on this side. And we, and we talked to your, your colleague here, Ryan Wilson. Talk up the podcast, too. The, yeah, the draft, no, we're the, doing the a draft. podcast. Yeah. CBS started a podcast with us called With the First Pick. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're talking a lot of draft now, as everybody is. Sure. But we try to do it a little different where, you know, we'll – uh, do it from uh, a little bit from my view, uh, not from all the uh, talking head analysts, yeah. although I'm a talking Things head analyst. Things that actually analyst make right sense, now. right? Yeah. Experience. Yeah, but just go back. So it, right. we have a lot of fun. Ryan Wilson, I've never been around an analyst that watches as much tape and tries to take his job as seriously as right. he does. He's but great. We have fun. Yep. And uh, I love because I don't have to do mock drafts. He has to do mock drafts. <laughs> and I get a chance. You get to, to make fun pick, of the mock drafts. Oh, yeah, I get to go and pick them apart now. <laughs> what makes you think they would do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah. What experience I was, do you have? Yeah, no, I, he has experience now, but right. never in that seat. So, For sure. Um, but I respect everything that he does and the work he puts into it. And to me, doing this stuff, I love to have fun, love to – you know, kid around with each other. Um, you can see and, it. You and, can see it. Uh, yeah. We have a lot of fun on that podcast. Yeah, no doubt about it. Rick, thanks so much for the time. It's great to talk to you again and uh, enjoy your stay here in Indy. Okay. Thank you for having me on.